Welcome to the SDA Housing Podcast, brought to you by NDIS Property Australia. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Hello, everybody. My name is Min, and I'm your host from NDIS Property Australia, and you're listening to the SDA Housing Podcast, a show that explains, highlights, guides, and brings awareness about all things SDA in this ever-changing NDIS world. Today, my guest speaker is a friend of mine, Julian Miro, who is from Project Cafe. Is that right? Uh, and the reason why I have Julian here, my, my good friend Julian, is I've been asking, begging him for a podcast for two years, and he's finally had... Half an hour break, come and visit me. <laughs> Julian, how are you, Julian? I'm good, guys. Welcome, welcome. Hello, everybody. Julian, I've asked you here to talk about the, the, the word that everyone uses in property, property development, property investing. That word is, sorry, not location, sorry, not location. <laughs> it is infrastructure. Well, infrastructure. Yeah. Well, well, like, I mean, location actually has a bearing on that as well, right? So, yeah. you know, a lot of the time um, you've got to have a location that you've mm-hmm. got the space, land, capacity to be able to, to add infrastructure. So, yeah, they do go hand in hand in a sense. Yes, yes. But, um, you know, my obviously my previous previous background is uh, Queensland Investment Corporation or QIC. Is- and just so people don't know what QIC means, yep. they are the investment of the Q Super uh, Superannuation Funds Management of the government employees, yeah. Yeah, so, so they're actually owned by the government effectively. And, in Queensland, yeah. Yeah, Queensland government and effectively, I mean, they operate independently, but they do manage superannuation funds from multiple different sources and they obviously property is a massive division of theirs. Well, that's real estate, commercial property. Commercial property or real estate. They, they are going into residential. As I left uh, the company late last year to go out on my own, they, um, they are going into residential as well uh, for the first time. So typically they would have outsourced any any land or any development that would would be residential, but they're now actually doing it internally. Yeah, and they also uh, you know they, they manage the future fund for Queensland government, Cross River Rail. So they're really um, you know well connected in, in property around Australia. Actually, um, all around Australia, they own the Port of Melbourne as well and things like that. Yeah. So Julian, the last few years you've been working for QIC. You were we were managing the Rabina site in Gold Coast and other little small. Commercial shopping centres. I was surprised when you told me last year that QIC is doing a lot of work in other states like Sydney and Melbourne as well. Yeah. What, what kind of locations are we talking about there? Yeah, so so I mean, when you go into New South Wales, you look at um, Castle Towers being probably one of the larger ones. Blacktown uh, is another one there. Some regional assets as well. Uh, Melbourne, you've probably got some prominent assets in uh, uh, Werribee, Epping, Eastland, Ringwood. Um, that's another one that's been developed over the journey and a, and a pretty large asset, Woodgrove and, and a few other areas throughout Melbourne. So you've got some really, really prominent locations. There's a massive centre in the middle of Canberra, which is a really, really high-end asset and currently being developed further um, now and probably something you want to talk about in regards to what does that infrastructure look like now. So are these assets all types like commercial office high-rise and the Westfield equivalents and what kind of assets are we talking about here? 
So I think you, um, I think you got to look at the evolution of what these assets have gone through since since the purchase from uh, on behalf of QIC and um, you know Rabina is one of them, and they all fit into this category effectively. Is that they purchased them over a long period of time and have been what we would deem retail assets, but they were really really clever in the fact of getting. Uh, large land holdings around those retail assets. So not only can they expand retail, but they're now at a point in time uh, in their business model where that retail then adds commercial um, and he's starting to add residential. So I want to jump in here, Julian. Our listeners are probably wondering, why are we listening to this topic about commercial development and, and, and office space and funds management? The reason why we're talking about this is because, you know, uh, and I'll go back a little bit to to more of a layman's terms. When people invest in property, residential property, they they always say follow KFC, follow yeah. McDonald's because they do their yeah. own work. They they, yeah. they they do they scope out the statistics, the population growth, yep. employment hubs. They do all that stuff, and you follow them from a residential point of view, you're doing well because they know what they're doing. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? So if in this regard here, being the disability sector, mm-hmm. people who are less able-bodied, so they can't get around, as in driving around and walking around, they they rely upon. Uh, these hubs called amenities, yep, yep. right, and infrastructure to live the lifestyle they want. Yeah. So hence the reason why I've invited Julian today to talk about what has he seen in his previous work life in terms of the rollout of these fund, this fund manager and this investment corporation uh, delivering infrastructure projects and commercial hubs around the country to create, you know, a lifestyle or commercial aspect to the community. If you follow them from a, I'm not saying you, you as in the listener following them, but if you use your your, your nous and intelligence with regards to research and, and data, like these institutions, they know what they're doing. They know the, the stats, the data, the research. They're pouring hundreds of millions of dollars of development of acquiring land and employment and construction of these facilities, these assets. Yeah, all that. yeah, yeah. And, and and that is where the population will grow, and where population is, there's always going to be a component of participants who are disabled to live near these areas as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you look at commercial property and, and probably retail, if we start to look at it a little bit differently, like you're saying now, is that you can get, you know, one of the big ones at Westfield or, or, or the likes, um, vicinity group who maybe own a, a, a retail asset, but that's specifically retail. But the, the strategy you would now deem as a town centre strategy. Yes, yes. So... When you know developers like QIC are looking at um, the the town centre strategy, it's a little bit different than a retail strategy mm-hmm. because all of a sudden you add medical, yes. health, yes, universities, hotels, residential, and so those hubs and towns effectively are now you know working to expand and be able to produce or develop mm. across all sectors. So people don't have to go outside of their suburb or their living environment to be able to go to the hospital or yes. go to uh, physios or uh, hotels and, and entertainment mm-hmm. as such too. So yeah, I think it's a different way of looking at commercial property and how it does lead residential. And you know, the value of residential, you know, does go up and it becomes accessible and you don't have mm-hmm. to leave the area and it makes it a, a place to live that you don't need to leave effectively and becomes really valuable from a residential point of view. And it has to be led by commercial. Yes. So in your teams that you've worked with in that corporation in the past, when they have a concept project or, or, or a potential asset in the future, does the organization go out to source the medical medical groups and the facilities and the practices to come into 
or, or do they come to you? How, how does that work in your in that field? Yeah, yeah, that's no, a really good question because you know what you just sort of said, you know, back at the beginning about why we why we're we talking about commercial property. You know, there's no doubt that you know our teams identified land area developments that could host medical. Mm-hmm. For, we'll just talk about medical for a minute that could expand the medical offering uh, and services within that development, and so. They would absolutely go to Ramsey Health and, and the likes and big health providers and show them um, the development and areas that we actually were, were, were looking at expanding and would preempt the growth in those corridors mm-hmm. and would start talking to them four or five, six years before they actually were going to be developed and get them into. Five, six years. Wow, it's a long time, isn't it? Yeah, it is a long time. So long lead time on, on a lot of that. But those conversations, absolutely what you said, happened quite early. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about land banking, land acquisition, yep. Banking, yep. and then go through council with their DAs and concept plans, and then approvals, and then construction. Yeah, we're talking about 10, 15, 10 years. Yeah. So I mean, before I left, we had a conference uh, mid last year, and we had developments on the board up till 2030, 2032. So that was eight years in advance, nine years in advance of what areas you know, we're looking at developing and what assets and what land holdings QIC had and they were all funded. So they didn't need funding to actually go and make that happen. Yeah. So that's how far you're working in advance. So back to your point, if you knew in the sense of what areas the life residential will follow the growth. Exactly. So one of the hotspots that QIC were working on in that far ahead, the examples of your list earlier. So I think if you looked at I mean, if you looked at the assets of, of growth with land holding, you would definitely be looking at Rabina. In, in Queensland? Yeah, in Queensland. So I'll, I'll, go, I'll yeah. go state by state yeah. effectively. Is Rabina was definitely the, the bigger asset. So that would probably be the one in Queensland. Then New South Wales, Castle Towers. I don't know. Where is Castle Towers? Yeah, I, don't know, I forget the suburb. Um, we we'll have a quick look up and see oh, if, what suburb it is. Uh, it's on the north side. Um, That's a new project. New- there's land holdings there, so yep. that is um, that that's an older centre that will be be extended and developed, and there will be commercial and the addition of other um, medical and the likes on the outside of this. So how how big a spend are we talking about? I'm not sure on that one yet. That was yeah, that's in the future. And then any, any other areas around Newcastle, New South Wales, you reckon? No, that's the, I mean from a QIC point of view, that was the the big the big asset because it all comes back to where the, there's land. Sure, so sure, sure. Their holdings were there, and then you look at Canberra. Canberra Centre. Um, there's a lot of so what's going in Canberra? Hotels, commercial. All right. Yep. Yep. So around that Canberra market, and then in Melbourne, Eastland Ringwood was definitely a growth area. Again, land holdings to be able to expand into commercial, residential, hotels, medical. They're sort of the the key areas. I think that QIC held land. Yeah, you need you need the land to be able to do it. So here's a question: Where does the average mum and dad investor? Go to to look for this kind of information that is should be public knowledge of to, 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 to go get a gauge, I guess, as much as there could be public knowledge. Yeah, I mean it's 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 you know, and certainly the development that I've just said that their their land holdings that QIC have. How would you know what they're doing? I mean, they those plans can change too, right? We just but surely surely with councils and regional centres they. Redevelopment planning. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, you would have to. There's no doubt that the developments um, planning of those holdings would, would absolutely be with the councils at some point in time. So, it may be keeping. I think you can actually go into websites and keep she, receive 
information on developments in the area so you can actually have a look at what's going on. The project, yeah. project is as big as this. People talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not secret information. No, it's not secret. And, and you sort of can see, I think, you know, whether there's, um, you know, even if you looked at Westfield at Chermside, mm. you know, shopping centre, they've got land all around there and you can see what's happening there. And, you know, Chadston's been a prime example that vicinity group have continued to expand and add hotels and add yes. commercials. So that's not a secret. Yes. So I think if you looked at those big hubs and an understanding of who's growing and, and which companies, whether, whether it be, you know, vicinity or even for argument's sake, whether you've got, you know, smaller developers that are, that are growing as well. Mm, mm, great. So how, how, you do, how do you deal with your business at the moment? You're, you're more of a small business working in the, in the hospitality industry. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So we, so we specialise in hospitality. So we've got a couple of divisions where we do leasing services for hospitality businesses. We work with landlords who have hospitality tenants or retailers, you know, to make sure that they're trading properly and they've got all the tools to be successful. Then we sell cafes and restaurants. We've yes. got a division that sells cafes and restaurants, and that's growing rapidly. So in this new line of work you're doing now, yeah, turnover of businesses like this, does that give you an indication of how how good a, an area or region or suburb is going with- Yeah, you, yeah. You look at their numbers, yeah. turnover, their profitability. I mean, th- I mean, and if a business is selling, why are they selling? I mean, they're selling because they're struggling or they're selling because they want to exit the industry that they're in or whatever. And that's a good indication as well from a, from a small business perspective as to how a community is supporting and working with these local, local businesses as well. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a really valid point and probably brings up something that um, everybody talks about and seen on the media, and that's migration of yep. people through you know, Victoria and New South Wales. We're, li- we're in Queensland. Obviously, we live in Queensland, and you've seen a, a migration of people from New South Wales and Victoria coming to Queensland, possibly selling their house for, for a large sum of money and then coming up here and buying a business and buying another property. And then all of a sudden you look at that and, you know, to your point, you know, where are they migrating to and what area does that look like? And, you know, certainly from our point of view in Queensland, Gold Coast would definitely be probably the biggest target. There's a big, of, there's a big demand for Gold Coast SDA housing and apartments in that area. Yeah. It's just so hard to, to enter the market because yeah. it's just so landlocked and too, too expensive, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So that's really grown, you know, exploded. Sunshine Coast is definitely, you know, grown as well up in Queensland, um, probably not as fast as Gold Coast, but yes. don't be fooled. It's it's really quite tightly held as well and you, you're getting a lot of businesses and migration there. And then Brisbane, and, and Brisbane's going to have a great run, you know, for the next 10 years, I think, I think as, as more people move here and realise how great a city it is. <laughs> so yeah, I think you can definitely look at areas and see where the migration is happening, and that can be done through residential housing as as well, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. what we're seeing a lot of in our line of work at the moment here in our office is working with bigger developers who understand this disability market to allocate you know parts of their project or their 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 asset into fully accessible accessible product for residential purposes. Yeah, yeah, that's very important. Any final words of advice to the the average mum and dad who is trying to understand more about infrastructure and location in the commercial and residential property market in Australia? Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think there's absolutely been a bit of a consolidation of larger developers, and and as I said, that can be led by retail, but they do you know develop commercial and medical, and that does follow now, and I think people need to think about that because no longer do you just go build a shopping centre and just stop. It'll be a shopping centre with residential, medical, commercial, hotels, and I think a lot of developers are looking, large developers are looking like that. So 
I think looking at areas that are underpinned by those developers, you know, their growth strategies by town centres, medical universities, all of those, and aligning yourself from a residential point of view with those that, those developments, because I think there's no doubt that you know property becomes a, a premium around those areas, and from a disability point of view, you know, everything's very localised, uh, and you don't need to, to to move effectively, go that far to be able to get what you need. Here's a question I didn't ask earlier. With all these new assets being developed and created by many commercial developers and and whatnot, are they bringing accessibility in awareness in all these different assets, whether it's offices or hospitality locations or retail, just wheelchair access and accessibility? Is that a, a yeah, yeah, no, it's front and center, definitely. Where was I? Yeah, I went to, I went to a um, a cafe in Hendry yesterday, and they actually showed me their disability access and the ramp and everything. So that was actually a bit of a feature of that, that it was really accessible. You could pull up and, and, and effectively go into the cafe through the ramp at the back. And so they actually did come and show me that. So, And I think a lot of developers, I mean, most developers are absolutely thinking about access for sure, whether that be through lifts, ramping, accessibility, all, all through, and, and um, doorways, all, all of all those little things that need to be taken into Good. consideration. Really. Yeah, yeah. It's very important. Good. My final question to you is about the NBA. Yep. <laughs> NBA playoffs are starting soon. Yes. And we're going to get a record here. Who's coming out of the East? Who's coming out of the West? And who's going to win the whole NBA championship in America? Well, I think, um, I think I'd put, uh, I'm going to go all out and say Milwaukee Bucks are going to, um, are going to take the whole thing. I think that they've just been putting themselves in a prime position yes. to be able to actually, yes. actually, um, yeah, peak at the right time. Yeah. Where, east and West, East and West. I'm not sure of the West. What have you got? Who have you got in the West? Where are you leaning on the West? Maybe Phoenix. Maybe, maybe um, the, the the current form, current champion. Golden State. Golden, Golden State. State. You're going Golden State. Yeah. Look, I think Golden State will hopefully be there. I think it depends on whether Wiggins back, but I'm going for the Bucks for the whole thing. Yes. So hundred dollar bet or a thousand dollar bet? Yeah, lunch. I got to invest my money in property. Lunch. <laughs> Thank you, Julian. Appreciate your time and efforts. No problem. Thank you. Bye bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you are subscribed and following us so you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this podcast with those that could benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.